the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is engineering. Clark Hilton is, no wait now, James Blend is producing. Clark Hilton is engineering. Dan Rice is providing the precious space in which this program is being produced. Is that right? James Blend, Clark. I haven't seen them in so long. I get the two of them confused. Anyway, we're glad to have you with us on this Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show, where we spend some time taking a look at the lighter side of the news. Also, our interview of the week, Pastor Rich Jones from Hillsborough Calvary Chapel. Looking forward to hearing from him as he comments on everything from how to navigate this new normal to what we might make of these events in light of what the scriptures have to say. So all of that coming up on today's program. Which, by the way, is brought to you in part by Liberty Coin and Currency. We want to start out with some of the headline news, and there's a lot to cover, so I'll get right into it. With Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez as the only no complaining it isn't enough, the House has passed the stimulus bill. Uh, Kim Strassel says that President Trump seems unaware that Speaker Nancy Pelosi will see his plans for infrastructure spending and raise him a bailout for every mismanaged blue state, the U.S. Postal Service rescue, a complete revamp of voting rules in time for November, and expanded unemployment benefits for everyone forever. Meanwhile, this New York Times story looked at a, how much more unemployed people are making to remain unemployed. We've talked about that a couple of times this week. In all but 12 states, it's a profit deal to stay out of work. And protesters are gathering once again in Michigan at the Governor Gretchen Whitmer's home, and she plans to extend the stay-at-home orders. The story also notes that the Michigan legislature has scheduled a special session for Friday with the goal of creating an oversight committee to review the governor's coronavirus orders and possibly strip her of some of her powers. Michigan businesses are suing Whitmer for keeping their businesses shut down. And a study has found that smokers are less likely to get coronavirus, which is completely counterintuitive since it does have to do with one's respiratory system. But that prompted this response from The Guardian. The researchers insisted they were not encouraging the population to take up smoking, which carries other potentially fatal health risks and kills 50 percent of those who take it up. Also complicating the things we thought we would understand about COVID-19 by now, a study claims two-thirds of seriously ill patients didn't have a fever. And to that, a medical journal says closing schools may not be helping. But wait, there's more. The FDA says there's no evidence you can get the virus through food. From that story, there's still a risk of catching the bug when restocking your pantry, but you're more likely to be infected by someone coughing inside the store than by touching your groceries. Dr. Leanna Wynn says that's the former Baltimore health commissioner. And... Um, Presumptive nominee Joe Biden got caught up in a conspiracy theory that's been around since the Bill Clinton presidency. As he said, mark my words, I think he's going to try to kick back the election somehow, uh, come up with some rationale why it can't be held. Speaking of Donald Trump, who, by the way, does not have the constitutional authority to do that. That would require an act of Congress. Biden continued to get easily confused while on camera, but that's really not news. 
Well, the Harvard professor's attack on homeschooling reveals a gross ignorance, and Michael Ferris points out that perhaps the most troubling thing found in this article is a clear display of bigotry by Professor Bartholet. She argues that a chief evil at hand arises from the fact that as many as 90% of homeschooled children live with conservative Christian parents who seek to remove their children from the mainstream culture. Such people are extreme religious ideologues who question science and promote female subservience and white supremacy. Any form of bigotry coming from one of its professors should cause Harvard trustees to be concerned. Religious bigotry may be fashionable in some circles, but Harvard expresses commitments to the contrary. And Dr. Albert Moeller says this, by page 59 of her article, she states that international law provides the model for the United States. She cites precedents in the Netherlands, Germany, and Sweden. I've taken up notorious cases in Germany where Christian parents actually had their children removed from their homes simply because their parents insisted on homeschooling their children. The German constitution and German courts recognize no parental authority for the way their children are educated. And doctors in Mexico are being attacked with bleach rather than being heralded as heroes from the story. While doctors from Florida to Italy have been cheered on by the public, in Mexico, some have been assaulted in the streets, banned from public transportation, and in a few cases, doused with bleach. It happened to a head nurse at Vargas Hospital, and according to news reports, to a doctor in the state of Jalisco and a nurse in uh, Sinaloa. Interesting thought, what the logic is there. California is seeing calls to suicide hotlines skyrocket. In February, Leviathan and her um, colleagues, a 70 full-time staff member and 215 volunteers, took 22 calls on the suicide and disaster helplines related to coronavirus. In March, that number soared to 1,800 calls, more than 8,000% increase. Meanwhile, the governor of California is being accused of hiding his billion-dollar coronavirus mask deal. And many churches see drastic reductions in giving. The headline within the story that churches could permanently shutter is not supported by the story, but nonetheless, it is concerning. Churches are not getting tithes or offerings. Meanwhile, the Texas Attorney General's office says churches can hold services. Well, in the Bronx, a judge has released violent teen over the coronavirus fear. A gang member is accused of brutally attacking a man at a local McDonald's. He's now free. And a few odds and ends, when New York City randomly tested 3,000 people, 14% had the virus. A CNN story complained of people daring to violate social distancing, but the article didn't mention any of the high-profile CNN anchors' violations, such as this one. ABC News' George Stepanopoulos was seen talking, um, uh, taking rather an East Hampton stroll Monday without a mask covering his face after testing positive for the novel Wuhan coronavirus earlier in the month. Guy Benson points out when uh, mortality is uh, measured per 100,000 people among the 10 countries with the most cases, the U.S. ranks seventh behind Iran, Germany and China. In other words, the U.S. ranks ninth out of 10 with only Germany performing better. And let's see. um, The U.S. coronavirus related deaths passed 50,000 as Georgia businesses reopened despite Trump's opposition. Several businesses there got the green light to reopen today as Governor Brian Kemp decided to loosen coronavirus restrictions even as the state nears 900 deaths and despite the president's opposition. Meanwhile, the United States coronavirus related death toll, as I mentioned, has risen Friday morning after more than 3000 people died on Thursday. A tally compiled by Johns Hopkins University put the death toll at 50,031 
with more than 869,000 cases across the country. The country with the next highest death toll is Italy, with more than 25,000. And the doors to Disneyland and Disney World are shuttered and may remain closed until next year, a Wall Street analyst projected this week. The theme park closed their doors in mid-March as the coronavirus outbreak started and it first planned to reopen on the 1st of April. That didn't happen. The FBI is warning that hackers are targeting U.S. medical providers during the coronavirus pandemic as part of a scheme to dupe the companies. And President Trump and his White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing on Thursday appeared to suggest that light and disinfectants might have a potential to treat the coronavirus, prompting a number of stories condemning the comments. Others seeking to defend the president and a scathing tweet from presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. On Friday, the White House hit back at the media's coverage, saying that the president was making a sarcastic offhand comment. Ruth's Hospitality Group, the owners of Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, announced on Thursday that they would be returning $20 million in small business loans obtained through the Small Business Association Payment Protection Program. And in Michigan, the state legislature has scheduled a special session on Friday with a goal of creating an oversight committee to review Governor Gretchen Whitmer's coronavirus orders. Critics have said she's me- her, she's, her measures rather during the outbreak have overreached and violated residents' rights. She has uh, faced growing protests in recent weeks. In fact, one has taken place today. And in New York City, there's an unimaginable grief. A probationary firefighter has reported the death of his infant daughter from a coronavirus, according to reports. And U.S. grocers are struggling to secure meat, looking for new suppliers and selling different cuts as the coronavirus pandemic cuts into domestic production and raises fear of shortages. And the Small Business Administration is expected to begin taking loan applications again next week through the Paycheck Protection Program for small businesses slammed by the coronavirus-related pandemic. And U.S. equity markets swung between gains and losses on Friday after the House of Representatives ratified the $484 billion small business relief bill, which replenishes the Paycheck Protection Program, a uh, forgivable loan uh, program that small businesses can tap into to keep employees on their payroll with $310 billion. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and we're glad to have you with us. Coming up, we're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news. We'll also give you an opportunity to hear my conversation with Pastor Rich Jones from Calvary Chapel Hillsboro on what's going on around us and how we might understand it in light of the scriptures. So we're looking forward to that. Well, again, looking at some of the news headlines, United Airlines is the first carrier to mandate face masks for flight attendants as part of the latest operational changes during the coronavirus pandemic. And apparently there are people who are still flying somewhere. And a 10-year-old girl and her mother have created a web series, Kids Coping with COVID-19, as a way of helping empower kids during these scary times while also doing something they love, and that's animating. You might want to check that out. And on this day in history, April 24th, 1877, federal troops were ordered out of New Orleans, ending the North's post-Civil War rule in the South. And in 1800, Congress approved a bill establishing the Library of Congress. 1913, the 792-foot Woolworth Building, at that time the tallest uh, skyscraper in the world, officially opened in Manhattan as President Woodrow Wilson pressed a button at the White House to signal the lighting of the towering structure. 
1915, what's considered the start of the Armenian genocide, the Ottoman Empire began rounding up Armenian political and cultural leaders in Constantinople. Also in 1961 on this day in history, in the wake of the failed Bay of Pigs invasion of Cuba, the White House issued a statement saying that President John F. Kennedy bears sole responsibility for the events of the past few days. 1967, Soviet cosmonaut Vladimir Komarov was killed when his Soyuz-1 spacecraft smashed into the Earth after his parachutes failed to deploy properly during reentry. He was the first human spaceflight fatality. And China shut down a Beijing hospital as the global death toll for SARS surpassed 260. That's current. But in 2005, Pope Benedict formally began his stewardship of the Roman Catholic Church. The former Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger said in his installation homily that as pontiff, he would listen to the will of God in governing the world's 1.1 billion Catholics. In Oregon news, they're announcing three more deaths, 51 new cases of COVID-19. 86 people have died of the coronavirus in Oregon to date. Oregon's 84th COVID-19 death is an 86-year-old man in Multnomah County who tested positive on the 14th of this month, died on the 20th at his residence. He had underlying medical conditions. The 85th COVID-19 death is an 80-year-old man in Multnomah County who tested positive on April 12th and died on the 19th at his residence. He had underlying medical conditions as well. Oregon's 86th COVID-19 death is an 89-year-old man in Lynn County who tested positive on the 15th of March and died on the 22nd of April at his residence. He, too, had underlying medical conditions. Oregon's 51 new positive tests bring the state's total number of known COVID-19 cases to 2,177. Those new cases originate in Multnomah County with 14, Marion County with 20, Washington County with 8, Clackamas County 5, and Lane and Umatilla County 2 each, respectively. A case originally uh, reported as a Douglas County case was later determined not to be a case at all. The OHA said it was subtracted uh, from Thursday's state toll and from Douglas County's listing. Meanwhile, Governor Jay Inslee says low-risk construction can resume in Washington, uh, Washington State, as long as strict health and safety guidelines are followed, including social distancing. Uh, marking one of the first steps the state is taking to slowly reopen the economy amid the coronavirus pandemic. Now, many construction projects were put on hold when Inslee issued a stay-at-home order on the 23rd of March to slow the spread of coronavirus. We have been working towards this measure for some time, and this work has allowed us to create a very comprehensive safety plan because we are thinking about everyone in construction, the governor said. He put together a task force from the building industry, state workers, and the trade unions to come up with the safety recommendations. The recommendations given to him are posted on the Washington Building and Trades uh, Council website and list a number of new guidelines to try to keep workers safe at job sites. They include things like having a COVID-19 site supervisor to monitor the health of employees and to make sure a safety plan is followed. Workers would be provided with personal protective equipment like gloves, goggles, face shields, and masks. Uh, they have um, to stay six feet apart, and soap and running water have to be abundantly provided at all job sites for hand washing. The job sites will need extra cleaning, and workers uh, will need extra training. If physical distancing is not possible on a job, then that particular project will not be able to move forward at this time, again, according to Washington Governor Inslee. Well, supplements containing vitamins C and D, along with other micronutrients, can be a safe, effective, and low-cost means to fight COVID-19 and other acute respiratory tract diseases. That's according to an Oregon State University researcher. 
Adrian Gombard, OSU Linus Pauling Institute, along with his collaborators at universities across the world, said public health officials should issue a clear set of nutritional guidelines to complement the existing advice about washing hands to prevent the spread of the infections. Findings were published on Thursday in the peer-reviewed journal Nutrients. Around the world, acute respiratory tract infections kill more than 2.5 million people every year, Gombert says. Meanwhile, there's a wealth of data that shows the role that good nutrition plays in supporting the immune system. As a society, we need to be doing a better job at getting that message across, along with the other important, more common messages. Again, the message being vitamins C and D can help prevent COVID-19. Oregon health officials may need 600 more workers to perform coronavirus contact tracing under a plan being developed by the governor, reopening Oregon, the framework. Well, the tracers would be largely tasked with performing time-consuming detective work to help slow the spread of coronavirus when the governor and counties begin lifting restrictions to restart sectors of the economy. The governor expects to see a draft plan in the next couple of days for how many trackers the state must enlist to identify people exposed to known COVID-19 infections and then monitor them to make sure they get tested and follow quarantine guidelines. It's very, very clear that we need a much more robust public health strategy around contact tracing, around testing, and around isolating and quarantining the governor said Thursday during a conference call with reporters. Now, much remains unknown about the plan and how it would better protect Oregonians from coronavirus in the months ahead. State and public health officials attempted to perform contact tracing after the pandemic officially arrived in February in Oregon, but quickly became overwhelmed by the volume of new infections. National health experts, they see increased testing to detect the coronavirus and uh, thorough contact tracing as the county's best bet to reopen shuttered businesses. In Oregon, Governor Brown announced stay-at-home restrictions on the 23rd of March. And the Oregon Liquor Control Commission today announced it would prolong until June the suspension of the requirement that grocery stores accept returnable cans and bottles under the state's bottle bill. The agency earlier suspended its requirement that retailers accept returns because of concerns about the transmission of COVID-19. In light of continuing pandemic-related operational concerns for grocers and supermarkets, the Oregon Liquor Control Commission has again extended the non-enforcement of redemption requirements for Oregon retailers that choose not to accept empty beverage containers for redemption. The enforcement suspension will now stay in effect until May the 31st. The OLCC uh, will not issue a, a store notices of violation if they don't take back empty redeemable beverage containers during the temporary period. Now, that's the decision with big fiscal consequences in 2018, Oregonians returned more than 2 billion containers to redeem their uh, deposits. That's about 167 million containers per month, or at a dime uh, container, $16.7 million that will stay in the system rather than going back to people who redeem containers. So keep that in mind. You might want to hold on to them until the time comes when you can redeem them. Otherwise, you can simply say goodbye to what otherwise you would be entitled to. Well, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration on Friday warned against the use of two anti-malarial drugs that have been touted as possible treatments for the novel coronavirus following reports of serious heart rhythm problems in COVID-19 patients treated with the medications. Now, the drugs are hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine, they should not be used outside of a hospital or clinical setting. The agency said, especially when used alongside the antibiotics that are often given, uh, known as ZPAC. 
The FDA is aware of reports of serious heart rhythm problems in patients with COVID-19 treated with hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine, often in combination with the um, Z-Pak. So keep that in mind. If you have access to it, do not take it on your own. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a look at some of the lighter side of the news when we return, so I hope you'll stay with us. We're also looking forward to a conversation with Pastor... um, Rich Jones of Calvary Chapel Hillsboro will talk about what's going on and maybe how we interpret it and fare the best we can, holding tightly to our Savior. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, and we're going to spend the next, well, this and the next segment taking a look at the lighter side of the news. And in order to do that well, I've asked James Blinn to join me. James, how you faring? You know, um, I'm doing all right. It's a Friday, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I've read good intel. It says that uh, today is Friday. Are you and sure? What month is it? Is it still? Is it still March? Or are we moved on to May? It's Marple. Marple. Yeah, that sounds about right. It, it's anyway. kind of crazy to think that next weekend is May. What happened to April? Oh, we spent it in the bunkers, <laughs> living the dream. Living the dream. The the uh, I saw one of those internet memes the other day that said, uh, you know, talking about looking back on the years, 2018, 2019, 2021, 2022, and then somebody <laughs> says, interject, what about, no, we don't talk about that year. That is the year we don't speak of. Yeah, it has a virus. You know, it, it's, it's it, you know, I, I'm beginning to think that, uh, you know, it's one of those things, yeah, I kind of want to do over. Yeah, you don't get one of those, but uh, we're going to do the best we can while we're in it. So we'll settle for that. I suppose we'll have to. Yeah. Well, let's see. I got a story for you here. Uh, You know, a lot of what goes on these days happens in Zoom meetings. They've become quite popular. But what's also several a week. Quite. Yeah, me too. What's also become quite popular is people failing to dress for the occasion. I've got two stories. A Florida judge has one request for attorneys showing up for court hearings via Zoom get out of bed, and put some clothes on. Now, can you imagine you're an attorney representing a client, presumably, in a court case, you're still in bed and you're not dressed. Broward Circuit Judge Dennis Bailey made the plea in a letter published by the Western Bar Association. It is remarkable how many attorneys appear inappropriately on camera, he says in the letter. One male lawyer appeared shirtless and one female attorney appeared still in bed, still under the, <laughs> still under the covers. The judge isn't making any exceptions for lawyers lounging in the Florida sunshine either. Putting on a beach cover won't cover up your poolside in the bathing suit. Since courthouses shut down in March to help slow the coronavirus pandemic, you know, flatten the curb, Broward County's judicial system has held about 1,200 Zoom meetings involving 14,000 participants. Judge Bailey said, for one, uh, he won't hold a complicated uh, trial over a video conferencing site given the technology shortcomings. But often lawyers are not looking at their screens but down at their files. Their uh, outlines and notes are simply out the window and can't see the judge is hollering, stop, 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 because an objection has been made uh, and the audio stays with the witness rather than obeying the judge. So they can't even communicate well in the course of a hearing. Now, the other story I found Headline, police department begs citizens to wear clothes in public. Have we lost our mind? Do we imagine because there's a virus, we've suddenly become invisible? Um, No nudes would be good news for the officers of the Taney Town Police Department in Maryland. 
It seems that someone is making life hard for the officers based on a cryptic Facebook post the department posted on Monday. Please remember to put pants on before leaving the house to check your mailbox. You know who you are. This is your final warning. Well, apparently people are venturing out of their homes as if they are functionally invisible and they're not thoroughly dressed, but they're just going to get the mail. Somehow with the coronavirus, we don't have to follow any of the the norms of life in community by just roaming around in our all-togethers whenever and wherever we please. Wow. Just for the record, James, can you and I confirm for the sake of our listening audience that you and I are appropriately dressed to do the kind of work that we are undertaking at this very moment? Um, you know, I think I am. I think so. That was a little bit of a hesitation. Well, there might be some pajama pants involved. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to deny that. but uh, I am wearing my fuzzy slippers. I have to admit that, too. Um, I, I'm not wearing shoes. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But uh, the uh, I'm wearing a sweatshirt because it was cold in here earlier. So uh, I probably look more appropriate than I have most of the rest of the week when I've pretty much been rocking the T-shirt. <laughs> well, but at least you're fully covered. Yes, no, that, yeah, you, just, you know, it's one of those things, you know, it's and especially uh, when I think about being seen on a Zoom meeting or whatnot, you know, we keep talking about how we're inside to you flatten the curve. Well, I have been inside now for so long and eaten so much in that time period <laughs> that there's a giant curve around my midsection that I can tell you has not been flattened in the least. They actually call it COVID belly. I don't want to comment further because I don't want to comment further. Because COVID, I don't want I, you know, I, further. I don't think they need to test me for that. There's no swab yeah. up the nose for that one. <laughs> yeah, I just finished off four cookies before we started recording. Yeah, there is a very tempting uh, package of Vienna fingers, uh, not three feet from where I'm sitting right now. Yeah, let's the, the only on. thing stopping me from eating them is you would hear me crunching on, on the <laughs> microphone. We're undermining our reputation as mature adults. We have that uh, reputation. Have self control. <laughs> well, I like to pretend we do. Well, that's a, Speaking that, that's, of which, I mean, that's a stretch of imagination right there, but okay. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, eating too much during this season, apparently a Virginia Senator, Mark Warner's a sandwich uh, has caused a tuna meltdown. You know, people tend to take to the uh, airwaves, whether that's Instagram or Facebook or wherever they happen to post their videos of things they imagine people might be interested in. Well, Virginia Senator uh, Mark Warner tried to show off his cooking skills with a tuna melt. And let's just say it's definitely far from the best cuisine the Commonwealth has ever known. Um, A lot of uh, viewers were surprised that he even ate it. He uh, decided to show off the cooking skills uh, to teach, well, his viewers uh, how to make his soon-to-be world-famous tuna melt. Well, on camera and for the whole world to see, he loads untoasted bread with mayonnaise. And I mean he loads it with mayonnaise, plops onto it um, uh, undrained tuna straight out of the can. You know, there's Ooh. a lot of moisture, oil, or water straight from the can. Then adds two slices of cheese. Then he microwaves it. Yikes. <laughs> Let's just say there was an internet meltdown. The whole thing created a scene on social media. Uh, fellow Senator Kamala Harris tweeted, Mark, we need to talk. Call, please, your friend. <laughs> um, top Chief Judge Tom I think it's Colchinelli, uh, told Warner to pack his knives. Warner, who's running for re-election, he may have just risked it all, uh, took it in stride and even leveraged some political capital from what uh, one commenter called the foulest sandwich he'd ever seen. And let's be clear, this is far so far 
from the best cuisine that Virginia has to offer. So Virginians are trying to cover uh, their reputation by suggesting this is not typical of how Virginians eat. Just saying. Disease specialist Anthony Fauci, he's assured a young girl, seven-year-old, that the tooth fairy is not at risk of infection during the coronavirus pandemic. He didn't consult with her parents ahead of time, but the popular doctor, appearing on Wednesday as a guest with actor Will Smith um, uh, in an interview, was asked by a little girl who was very concerned about whether or not, you know, she's going to rake in what she believed herself to be entitled to um, if the tooth fairy was sick. The girl asked, can the tooth fairy still come if I lose my tooth because of the coronavirus? I know Clark's little girl lost a tooth during this season. She'll be interested to know. Uh, the girl um, introduced herself as Ava. And can she catch the virus? Well, Dr. Fauci was quick to reassure her, I don't think you need to worry about the tooth fairy. Uh, he said, smiling, when your tooth falls out, you stick it under the pillow. And I'll guarantee you that the tooth fairy is not going to get infected and is not going to get sick. He's captured the hearts of the countries uh, as a new hero, the straight-talking coronavirus point man who's relatively short. And he puts uh, a point man at the president's side during the daily pandemic uh, briefings. Uh, so he um, was assuring this young girl that the tooth fairy cannot and will not contract the virus, which leads to my announcement today. I wanted to uh, just announce that I am leaving the station to become a tooth fairy for my own health sake. I'll be able to wander about at will without a face mask. Uh, I'll have to gather up other people's teeth, but uh, apparently if I do that, I am immune to COVID-19. I'm all about that. <laughs> the perks of the job. Perks of the job. And then there's this. The nation's top infectious disease specialist is getting a plush doll made in his likeness. Now, we heard uh, last week of a bobblehead. We also heard of donuts that have his likeness. I'm not sure I'd necessarily want either, but now there's a plush doll bearing his likeness, which makes custom plush bears the, uh, I think it's Simsbury, based in New England toy. They've created a 12-inch version of Dr. Anthony Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, who's appeared with the president. Now, who would you give that doll to? I mean, can you imagine snuggling up your little seven-year-old with a Dr. Fauci plush doll? 12 inches. I, I'm not seeing it, but that's just me. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back. So do please stay with us. We're looking at the lighter side of the news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're just taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news. And yes, in the midst of the pandemic, of our quarantine, of our sheltering in place, there's still something to laugh about now and then. Now, there's a family that has, and by the way, James Blend has joined me as well. So you should know that. You should also know that portions of our program today are brought to you, ladies and gentlemen, by Liberty Coin and Currency. That pretty much covers it. Well, an Arkansas family is, uh, well, they've decided they wanted to just resume hugging one another in this um, social distancing era. So um, what they've decided to do has gone viral after taking to social media to show off their invention, it's a plastic hug blanket to allow for social distancing compliant embraces. Um, the plastic bag blanket was concocted by the wife, Katie, and the family, says Paul, the husband, to allow the family to meet and embrace a new arrival. It was his wife's idea. He didn't support it in the beginning. It was a, just a crazy idea. It all spawned from the fact that my sister-in-law, Christy, is having my niece, Mariah. They wanted to hold and cuddle the baby. Well, the blanket, made of plastic, which hangs 
like a curtain in their home and the front doorway was constructed from items including shower curtains, tape, hot glue. It includes armholes with sleeves to allow for a full hug through the protective barrier. The wife, Katie, bought jumbo-sized bags, gallon-sized bags, and there are armholes. And so if you can picture this, a shower curtain hanging down with holes cut out and then armholes that are also covered in a different kind of plastic that would allow you to take a baby when placed in your arms and hold it to yourself, and there would be plastic between you and the child. So this Arkansas family decided we are not going to miss out on meeting our new family member. We're going to hold him or her, and we don't know which from the article And I think it's kind of a cool idea how to distance oneself while still being close. So, James, I'm thinking I might set something up here. You could drive over. um, I'll have a plastic Mm -hmm. curtain hanging with some armholes and I can, you know, put some garbage bags or something through. You can come over. We can see one another. I can give you a big hug. You know, the pat on the back. which says You don't give me big hugs when when there isn't social distancing, though. No, that's true. But the plastic would make all the difference. It, well, that's true. I mean, you know. And you do that kind of man pat on the back that says, hey, this is just about friendship. That, that's how you distinguish. You just do that pat on the back, and then you could drive all the way back to your house. Okay, I think we've got an appointment. Yeah, you get to work on that. <laughs> I mentioned, on uh, mentioned earlier in the week some of the signs that people are hanging from their homes or facilities that indicate just how well t- tired they are of the whole thing and i thought it bore repeating one sign had a little paper cut out and the number would change every day it has been six days since pants another um, uninstall 2020 it's got a virus oh only we could another from a balcony in an apartment building my husband is for sale i think there are some uh, spouses feeling just that way just a little bit too much together time covid19 day 27 common sense is like deodorant The people who need it the most never use it. And then this sign at a marquee at a theater, the State Theater, I'm not even sure where this is located, now playing no close encounters of any kind. And finally, another sign outside of a building, I just finished Netflix. (laughs) Apparently, the whole thing, start to finish, which of course is impossible, but we've been sheltering in place long enough that... uh, They felt like they had. Now, I know people get a little stir crazy, and so they might try things that they otherwise would not even think of. But this 18-year-old woman, and I hesitate to use the word in this case, but woman, technically, legally, had to be pulled out of her washing machine by four firefighters after she became stuck inside during a game of hide-and-seek. 18 years old, woman. Um, Her name is Amory Dancy. She was playing the game with her younger cousins at home in Virginia on Sunday night when she decided to conceal herself in a large appliance, apparently not large enough. We had already hidden underneath the bed in the closet and we couldn't go down into the basement. So I I thought, okay, let's hide in the washing machine. Well, Amory is 18. She had to be pulled out of the machine by first responders after she became stuck inside the appliance during the game. But uh, when Dancy put herself into the washer, she quickly realized she was unable to get back out. Well, the trapped teen yelled out to cousins for help. The older relatives at home phoned first responders for help. More than a half a dozen members of the Prince William County Department of Fire and Rescue arrived at the home. This is 11 p.m. Her aunt uh, documented the situation on her phone and posted the results (laughs) dutifully online. One video shows four firefighters wearing gloves and masks with the pandemic, of course, talking with her as she remained um, contorted inside the machine. 
Can you wiggle your toes? One is heard asking. Well, the foremen were able to remove the top of the machine to create enough room for her to be pulled out safely. More than half a dozen members of the department arrived at the home for this whole thing. You know, don't shelter in place in the washing machine where first responders, first of all, are exposed to what could be an infectious environment and are not able to serve in ways that they might otherwise be um, useful. I'm saying that specifically to you, James. I know you might get bored. Do not shelter in place in your washing machine. I just feel better having said that. I think I could fit in my washing machine. (laughs) Well, you know, there's that COVID belly that we were talking about earlier. I I think it would keep me. I I might have gotten in there before COVID, but (laughs) certainly not now. People are getting bored. A London man, he uh, attempted to clap for 24 hours straight. Okay. Uh, He was in the midst of an attempt on Friday to applaud for 24 consecutive hours to raise money for healthcare workers. I guess someone gives money for that. Uh, He began on Thursday at 8 p.m. He was inspired by the Clap for Your Carers initiative, which encouraged Britons to weekly applaud healthcare workers dealing with COVID pandemic patients. Um, He was taking the idea one step further by attempting to clap for 24 consecutive hours and raise money for them. He initially started out live streaming his attempt on YouTube, but due to technical problems, switched to streaming on Facebook. His fundraiser had less than $400 left to go toward the goal of raising $6,173 with more than four hours left to go in his applaudathon on Friday. So apparently it was for a purpose and he did raise some money. I hope he washed his hands thoroughly before well, and after. Well, you imagine how sore they must have been afterwards? Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, let's see this. Uh, we're talking about what people are doing when they're bored. A British hotel worker, apparently is not working, is seeking a Guinness World Record uh, recognition after she ran the length of a full marathon through the halls of the closed building. A hotel worker. Now, we talked last year, uh, last week, rather, seems like last year, about a man who ran a marathon in his backyard. But this 40-year-old said the premiere in Warrington, Central North in Warrington, England, had been closed due to the coronavirus pandemic. But she had a handful of other staff um, who had still been coming in each night to maintain the facility. She's a member of a running club. She decided to run a marathon inside the hotel It took her more than 300 laps to reach the 26.2-mile length in a full marathon, and she finished her run in 4 hours and 37 minutes. Wow. Uh, She raised about $1,900 for the National Health Service and uh, Great Ormond Street Hospital and said she's seeking a Guinness World Record for her accomplishment. She doesn't think anybody's done that before, and it's not hard to imagine why. You know, in uh, Oregon, they've been trying to uh, discourage skateboarders from going to skateboard parks, so they've simply filled them in with sand, or I should say in California. Well, officials there uh, buried a popular skating park in sand to deter skateboarders from violating the coronavirus lockdown orders. But the sand-covered park ended up attracting a new crowd, dirt bikers. They posted a video on YouTube showing how um, this uh, one kid, Connor Erickson, and some of his friends visited the skate park to ride their dirt bikes across the 37 tons of sand dumped onto the park by city officials to prevent gatherings there. The video shows he and his friends helping a group of skateboarders clear away some sand to use the park for its originally intended purpose. I guess you just can't keep kids who are stir-crazy down or out. Well, Grubhub has uh, published a list of popular cravings that people have in the quarantine. And here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, the things that they're delivering, sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. 
205% more popular. Spicy chicken sandwich, about 158% more popular than prior to COVID-19. Pulled pork sandwich, 124% more popular than it was. Avocado bacon club. I'm not sure where they're getting these, but and loaded baked potatoes, 99% more popular. You can get those at uh, at Wendy's. But these are the things that people are craving during this uh, quarantine. They're calling them pro. I think I've only ordered craving. one of those, and which me, one? I've used my I've used my share of the delivery food services during this time. Which one did you get? Uh, spicy chicken. My wife really likes that. Where uh, from? There are uh, two places she she likes it from. Obviously, her her preference is Chick Fil A, but if it's Sunday, it's Wendy's. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you have it. Hey, we've got top of the hour news coming up, so we're going to need to take a break. When we come back, share with you an interview with Pastor Rich Jones from Calvary Chapel. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. Welcome to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. James Blend is uh, producing Clark Hilton Engineering. And, of course, we are sheltering in place, which means things are a little different. I am so excited to have a conversation with Pastor Rich Jones from Calvary Chapel Hillsboro just to talk about how he and his family and church are adjusting to the new normal, and also to find some encouragement and some insight into how we view these events that have unfolded in an unprecedented way. And I know that word is um, is being used quite a bit, but I think it applies in this case. So, Pastor Rich, I am just delighted to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here, and uh, this is very different and unusual. That is most certain, but God is using it at the same time. So I'm eager to see what God's going to do out of all this. The truth is God is always at work. We don't see it. We may not be looking. We may not hear it. But he's always at work in ways that are unexpected. Before we start to talk more about that, I'd like to ask you how you and your family are faring with this uh, pandemic and sheltering in place. Well, thank you. It's, uh, you know, there's some good parts to it, right? We get to hang out together more. Actually, we're enjoying that part. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we have our, we've adopted our granddaughters. So. Uh, we're back to parenting mode again, so we've got a, a seventh grader who now is doing homeschool, and uh, so, you know, we're back to that mode also. That's kind of challenging, but fun. You know, there's just some, I guess it's all your uh, matter of perspective. I, I, we see it as, as some fun, and uh, we're playing uh, together more, you know, uh, taking walks together, hanging out together, making a lot more meals together, mm-hmm. um, playing ping pong, you know, we were playing Macala last night and just having fun. So, you know, there's a good part to it. Of course, there's a serious part. I don't mean to make light of it, but we, we see an opportunity also for connection and family. So we, we like that part. Yeah, that's the part that we can control, the our attitude about what's happening and how we make the most of the time that we have together. Now, it had to have been surreal for you to have conducted services over the uh, uh, Holy Week and Resurrection Sunday from a remote location without your congregation around you. I know for me as a parishioner, it, it's, it's so uh, peculiar to be at home, although we had a wonderful Resurrection Sunday morning, we visited several churches uh, via technology. But what was that like for you um, to preside over Easter week uh, from a remote location? Well, this has been absolutely the most unusual resurrection celebration we've ever had. In fact, I think if you go back to, throughout the history of the world, I mean, since Christ was raised from the dead, there's never been a resurrection celebration like this one. 
this has been so unusual and uh, yet so remarkable because there is such a longing right now. There's just such a searching. Um, we, through technology, can reach right into people's homes, of course, mm-hmm. and um, we are reaching more through this technology than we could reach live. Of course, Easter services are always packed and always full of celebration, but this one is definitely different, but we're reaching people, and I think that's the key. People are looking right now. There's such a there's such a longing for a foundation, for hope, for answers, and uh, and I'm I'm just so thankful that we have the technology to be able to reach right into their homes. I don't know what they did a hundred years ago. <laughs> you yeah, know, when you yeah. had the 1918 pandemic, I guess people just stayed home and read their Bibles, which is not a bad thing at all. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But you know, there's something. You miss, you know, you yes. you just miss the the connection. You know, church is a lot more than than just hearing a sermon. I mean, that's wonderful to hear a, a wonderful scripture filled sermon. It feeds the soul, but also fellowship does mm-hmm. too. I mean, we need each other. That's the whole thing. We need each other as a church, and and there's just something about being together that just brings a, a, a magnification of the presence of the Spirit, you know, because it's like, you know, a fire is greater when the logs are closer together, but now we've got to socially distance. And I think that the potential, the danger, is that the fire can grow cold in people's hearts. And so that's why, to me, the church right now is absolutely essential in people's lives. And there's a lot of searching. There's a lot of looking for hope today. Yeah, there really is. In fact, Google and some of the other search engines have confirmed that people are looking more into subjects like prayer. Uh, the, the purchase of Bibles has gone up dramatically, we're being told. People are are looking. And there is a longing, as you uh, and I discussed before the program began, a longing in the human heart for hope. I think there are certain things that we thought were predictable, that are uh, this a certain level of stability was expected. And when there is a shaking like this, it undermines right. our confidence in perhaps some healthy ways, because our, that independence can drive us away from God and away from one another. But what are you seeing in, in response to that that longing that is looking for answers and looking for hope? Well, I, I think also, you know, you, you talked about kind of that shaking. I, I think in many ways this is like an earthquake in the sense that, you know, you think the earth is solid until it starts shaking under your feet. And I think that that's a great description of what's happening. And uh, it, it, the world, I mean, the whole world is being upset by this. and And so... Because we're sheltered in place, because we're all, you know, staying at home, it's it's upset the normal cycle of life. And here's the good part about that. I think that people get so busy just in the doing of life, you know, get up, go to work, you know, do the, 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 the standard things you do in the day, come home and you make dinner and, you know, you watch a little TV or hang out with your family a little and then go to bed and then you do it all over again. I think that that can become so much of a routine that people, they forget the important things of life and the, the, the connection to one another, but also the connection to God. And when your world gets upset, boy, you start reprioritizing real fast. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what's happened. It's, it's causing people to assess again what's really important about life. And, and I think that 
A, you start with my relationship to God, and there's a, a tremendous hunger in, I want to get right with God now. I mean, there's just, uh, you can just sense that. People are just searching, I want to get right with God, and I need answers. I think that's the other thing is, what does this mean? You know, people are, are trying to understand, what does this mean biblically? What does this mean prophetically? And and to me, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity because people are looking and longing. It has upset everyone, but that's so good. I just really think this is good in that sense. I mean, there's a lot of tragedy. I do not want yeah. to minimize the tragedy when we lose one person over this. We've lost too much. But at the same time, I think that when when life becomes so different and your world is turned upside down it it just causes you to to look for hope and i'm so thankful that we have the the scriptures to give us that hope the holy spirit to reassure us of that hope and uh, that we can just speak into people's lives because there's a there's such a, a longing for an answer to anxiety see i think yes. people have to confront them their own hearts now there's a lot of anxiety in people's hearts, and there's a lot of fear, and there's a lot of worry. Well, this is an opportunity to, to begin to confront that in ourselves. Fear and worry is the opposite of faith. And so Jesus spoke of that. Uh, the Apostle Paul spoke of that. And um, so it's, it's causing us to really reassess again, where do we find our hope? And, and praise God, he's using this as an opportunity for revival. And I think that those people who were nominal Christians are going to become deeper Christians. And those who have not become Christians are looking for hope and answers. There are many who are coming to faith right now through this, right. this situation. So That's God right. can use it. You know, he, he can bring beauty out of ashes. As I know from my own personal life, God is able to bring beauty out of ashes. He's able to bring victory out of, uh, out of uh, difficulties. And uh, he's doing it. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll continue our conversation. We're talking with Pastor Rich Jones. He's the pastor at Calvary Chapel, Hillsboro. When we come back, we're going to talk about, is there biblical meaning to these events? This is a worldwide pandemic. And I was uh, listening to someone speak just the other day who made the point that, you know, the whole world, and that's a slight exaggeration, but the whole world is at a standstill. And this is such an unusual, coordinated effort to prevent this pandemic from spreading. What might this mean in terms of what the scriptures teach? So we'll take a quick break, but we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and I'm continuing my conversation with Pastor Rich Jones of Calvary Chapel, Hillsboro. Pastor Jones, before the break, we were talking about the fact that people are, are asking questions and wondering, what does this mean in, in view of... Uh, what the scriptures teach. Is this a, a moment that has prophetic uh, import? Is this uh, is there something behind this? Where is God in the midst of all of this? Can you speak to that question that is uh, voiced in different ways, but is resonating in the hearts of many who are impacted by this pandemic? Yeah, I think this is really an important question because uh, I think that it's situations like this where of course, we're looking and longing to find some kind of biblical meaning out of it, but also people can maybe take it too far, take it in yeah. the wrong direction. And uh, and I think that has also happened. Um, for example, when we look at uh, Matthew 24, 
when they came to the the Lord and said, you know, what are the the, the signs of your coming at the end of the age? When in in Matthew 24, you know, he began to list those signs of the times. Um, he he really gave us a, a sense of what to be watching for in general terms. In Matthew 24, he does not specifically mention uh, plagues or pestilence. He does in Luke 21. But what I want you to really see, I think, in Matthew 24 and in Luke 21, which are kind of the key phrases or the key scriptures that we want to look to, I think what you really want to see is that he says these things are the beginning of birth pangs. So what I see as I look at the scriptures and, and make sense of what's happening today is that there's not necessarily a specific, this is the end times because there's been a, 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 a virus that spread around the earth. Because after all, there have been viruses that have mm-hmm. spread around the earth before. There was, the, as we know, the Spanish flu of 1918, but there was the bubonic plague and there have been other plagues and viruses that have spread through the earth. And, uh, those weren't necessarily signs of the ends of the time because obviously much time has happened since then. But I think what we really need to see in Matthew 24 is these are the beginning of birth pangs because I do think that there's something different about this one in comparison to some of the other ones. What's different is that the world is different. Now the world is is much more uh, conjoined there's much more of, uh, of a sense of we're all in this together as a world. And so that, in my mind, is setting the stage for the Antichrist in the sense that you can see now that something of this nature that can upset the world could therefore require a world leader to bring an answer. So, for example, what's, what's happening today is not just about the virus. It's about the economy. That's right. It's not just about the economy of the United States, it's about the economy of the world. Because this is going to make an economic impact in every single nation of the world. And so there's going to be a, a, a recession at least, if not a depression, that in many ways sets the stage. I'm not saying this specifically does, but it begins to show what the picture will look like when the Antichrist does arise on the scene, and there's economic turbulence that must be answered, and a world leader can arise on the scene who can bring answers that the world desperately needs. And you can see the setting of the stage. So as, as I look at the scriptures, what I see is a setting of the stage for the coming of the end of the age. As we are living through this pandemic, as we're reading the scriptures and anticipating uh, what the short-term future looks like, not to mention the long-term, how should we respond to what this may reveal about uh, the future and the coming of the Antichrist? How should we respond in our hearts um, when this is a season that cries out for fear as opposed to faith and calm? How should we respond? Well, you know, in Matthew 24, where, where he, he gives the signs of the latter days, then that's Matthew 24. Matthew 25 then gives us the answer to that question, which is, be ready. In Matthew 24, verse 42, he says, Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. 
See, so this is really the key to it, is that this is the time for revival. This is the time to get your hearts right. And I think that inherently, in, in many people, there is in their soul that very witness. Hey, today, now, this is the time. There's a sense of urgency. Be on the alert, right? Your enemy is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The, the enemy would like to discourage you. The enemy would like to cause anxiety and fear. Now is the time to strengthen faith, to be on the alert, to be watchful. I think we should always be watchful. But whenever there's a, such an upsetting event that's uh, worldwide, I think we have to be very, very careful to be on the alert. And as I say, now's the time for revival. And I think that there's a lot of people who have a lot of questions. So I say also be ready to give an answer mm-hmm. for the hope that lies within you. I think for many of us, we assume this is the 21st century uh, plague. That that word is an arcane word that would never apply to our century. We expect uh, easy and quick mm-hmm. answers. We res- we expect that problems are going to be resolved easily, that uh, leaders are going to have answers quickly and be able to implement things quickly. We have no sense of our vulnerability, of our own mortality. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, we've, we've seen ourselves as invincible and this really, I think, has shaken us to the core, recognizing that we really have far less control than we thought we did. It's, I think, uh, taken our arrogance level down a peg because we realize we don't have control. And to um, turn our eyes and our gaze toward God, who is in control, I, I saw this effort on the uh, Internet recently where people were encouraged to sing, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. It's a great uh, song that children sing, but it really is a profound message that, you thought you, you know, your life was uh, was your own, uh, but he's got the whole world in his hands, and we need to be more sober, perhaps, about how we navigate in the world, um, because things can come and go that we have very little control over, and we need to take mm-hmm. our lives seriously and that vulnerability. I could not have said that better. That is very, very well said, because that's exactly what I'm sensing as well. This boy, this humbles humanity. Yes. Right when you begin to recognize that 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 this virus, and there could be greater and more dangerous viruses still yet to come, you can just sense the the inadequacy of man. Um, I have friends in South Africa. I was just talking with them this morning, and uh, they're saying everything is shut down. I mean everything. You're not allowed to be out, and if you are out, you better have a receipt with you that you went to the store. You, you will be arrested. It, it has so upset the entire world because of a virus. And how soon are we going to have an answer? I mean, we were talking about our uh, your mom and my uncle that are 89 mm-hmm. who are going to have to be sheltering in place for how many months? Maybe a year. And the inadequacy of man to answer, boy, this is a very humbling thing. But it yeah. also... To me, it also drives back to that point of, you see, there's going to be so many troubles on the world that it will require the Antichrist to come and do what no man has been able to do. So that's that setting of the stage that I believe that we are seeing in these latter days. Mm -hmm. I think we are living in latter days, and I think that there's a lot of spiritual warfare, but I think that people now, we need to get a sense of, where does this fit in in the big picture of things? Because I think a lot of people, uh, I'm kind of going back to your earlier question about the biblical framework for this. I think a lot of people look to Revelation 6 and say, is this the fourth 
horsemen of the apocalypse, to which I say, no, in my opinion, no, this is taking it too far. I think that speaks of um, the events that will be happening uh, in during the tribulation time, in the in the very latter days. But I think in many ways, you can see that such a plague, you know, in Revelation 6, it speaks of a fourth of mankind. Well, now you can begin to see, yes, yes that is very possible, actually. Uh, something that could even be uh, as dangerous as Ebola, which was mortal in its in its strength. Very fortunate that it did not get further foothold than it did. But you can just see some of these viruses are 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 extremely dangerous. I mean, you think this one is bad. There are others that are going to be much worse. Yeah, so you can yeah. see that you know, like in Revelation six, yeah. It actually will be so that there will be plagues and pestilences that can wipe out a fourth of mankind. Yeah, regardless of what century we're in. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll continue our conversation with Pastor Rich Jones from Calvary Chapel, Hillsboro. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and I'm continuing my conversation with Pastor Rich Jones from, Jones, rather, from Calvary Chapel, Hillsboro, uh, talking about uh, how to understand these events in light of biblical truth. One of the things that uh, really struck me about all of this is that uh, this virus, this COVID-19, is a great equalizer. You had the prime minister from the UK who has had it. Mm-hmm. You have people whose names you've never heard of and faces you've never seen who have had it. It's a great equalizer. We may have imagined that in our fierce independence and uh, our beauty and our wealth and all of the things that we distinguish ourselves by, that we have no need of help from anyone. And this has caused all of us, I think, to recognize that, um, you know, perhaps I do need to cry out to God. Maybe there are things I don't have control over. My wealth cannot purchase for me the kind of protection Um, that's necessary in this sort of a a situation. It has uh, proven to be an equalizer of us all. One of the things that you um, mentioned was that, you know, there are people who are during this season who are coming to faith in Christ who perhaps never saw their need of a Savior uh, before these events have exposed, you know, the condition, the, the true conditions of our hearts, and that this may be a season of revival. Can you comment on on that people who are coming to faith and um, the possibility of seeing a revival in not only our land, but across the globe. Well, I think it comes back to what you were just saying. Uh, It's the great equalizer. It just shows you the inadequacy of man. So therefore, it drives you to the question, where do we find hope? Where can we find hope when when there's such a a rocking of the world's foundations. Where do you look? Is it government? Is it is it is the government going to be our answer? And I think most people realize, no, that's not going to mm-hmm. uh, that's not going to be our answer. Politicians? No, that's not going to be it. Econ- economies? No, they are being rocked to the core. Where do we find hope? See, that's that's what I think is driving revival today. And and that is hope comes from I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I think it makes you appreciate the almighty hand of God over all things. Now, somebody might say, well, well, where's God? Why doesn't he prevent, why doesn't he prevent these things? And I think when someone asks a question like that, I think what they're saying is they want heaven and they want heaven right now. This is mm-hmm. not it. 
what they're describing is heaven, and there is such a place where there are no plagues. There is such a place where there's no weeping and gnashing of teeth. But this isn't it. This is earth. And earth is in its condition because of the rebellion of man so many years ago. See, and, and if, if you don't mind, I want to read Please. from uh, Romans chapter 8, because I think Romans chapter 8 really answers that question, because it, it gives us in chapter 8, I'm in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation itself was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its slavery to uh, corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Because we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until this. And not only this, we ourselves grown within ourselves. See, you see, it's speaking to the fact that creation itself is set under corruption because it was under the authority of man. There is a day where there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and all of these things will no longer be. But this is the day of salvation. This is the day to find hope in the God who gives hope in the midst of it. I mean, Jesus never said, I'll keep you from all troubles. He said, this world is filled with troubles. But take courage, I've overcome the world. I'll be with you in the midst of it. And that's what's happening right now. There is such a looking for hope because all the things that you thought you could put your hope into are broken. The economy, broken. A lot of people have lost their jobs. The government, politicians, you can go on and on. Healthcare, answers are far away. People are looking for an answer, and the answer is found in the God who gives hope in the midst of trouble. Amen. Well, let me just ask you in our our final few minutes, for anyone who's listening, who has been seeking, who's been searching and wondering, you know, God, what is it that you're trying to say to my heart? How do they how do they come to know God and reconcile that longing in their heart with the God who is pursuing them and through his son has demonstrated his love for them? What would you say to those who are seeking but have yet to find him? Well, I would say to them, God is seeking you. And, you know, I think that in many people's hearts, there's this sense of they've got to somehow find God. They've got to, you know, rise up to some great uh, spiritual pinnacle in order to arise to some great heights to find God. That's not the God of the scriptures. What we see is that God is pursuing you. I would say to anyone listening right now who is longing and searching, I would say to that person, hey, God sent his son to seek and to save that which was lost. To seek after means he is knocking on the door of your heart. He's calling out your name. And the scripture says, if anyone would hear my voice and open the door of his heart, Jesus says, I will come in, I will dine with him. That means we're going to have a relationship. I would say to that person, it's as near as your heart. It's as close as your mouth. Confess with your heart that Jesus is the Son of the living God. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Invite him into your heart and you will find that he will give you the hope of heaven right now and that he will adopt you as a son or as a daughter right now. That's why you get to call God your father because he's going to bring you into his family and give you a relationship to the living God. I know I'm going to start preaching here in a minute. (laughs) 
That's all right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, for listeners who want to grow in their faith, who are looking for encouragement, maybe some who have just come to faith in Christ, and of course we can't go to our local church uh, and, and meet together, what's the best way for them to connect with Calvary Chapel where I can tell you you're going to get great, solid biblical teaching um, at, uh, at, the, uh, at the church? So what's the best way for them to connect with you during this pandemic? Thank you. I appreciate you asking that. Our website, I think, is probably the easiest way to find us, which is simple, calvaryhillsborough.org. Absolutely, we've got many scriptures. I've been speaking recently about finding hope in the midst of all of this trouble. And I just encourage people, if you're looking for hope, you're looking for answers, I've been speaking to that on our website. and would love you to, to, to be part of that. We have an app makes it simple also to connect it, but even on your phone. So I just invite people, if you need hope, you're looking for answers, answers are found in God's Word. I just invite you to be part of that. And again, I just want to emphasize that at Calvary Chapel, you preach the Word. I so appreciate uh, good biblical teaching, and you're going to find that at Calvary Chapel Hillsboro. Well, Pastor Jones, any parting words to our listeners who are like you and I, sheltering in place, trying to be obedient to the civil authorities and protect one another out of love and concern. <laughs> well, my, my parting words are, I miss, I miss the church. I miss you. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the whole thing that we're all calling out to is like, hey, we miss, we, we come to realize how much we need each other. Mm-hmm. And we just miss that, you know, and you're, you're at home doing this program and and, uh, you know, you can't connect up with your friends and me, too. I just miss the church. I just miss being with people. And uh, I cannot wait for that day when we can all be back together again. But, of course, when we're together in heaven, we're going to have a glorious reunion. I look forward to that, too. But for now, I just say to people, hey, hang in there. This is going to be over, and we're going to get together again. Yeah, and, and maybe with more grateful hearts and appreciation oh, for one another. That's right. Boy, I'll take that. I tell you what, if we could get together right now, we would be shouting hallelujah, <laughs> but we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait. Well, Pastor Jones, thank you so much for your ministry in our community and for taking the time to talk with us here today. Really, really appreciate it. Amen. Thanks for inviting. Again, Pastor Rich Jones of uh, Calvary Chapel, Hillsboro, great Bible teacher. In fact, I think he's going to fill in for me. I'm taking some time off to celebrate our 38th wedding anniversary. Oh, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, And I love filling in for you. So take as many uh, vacations as you want. (laughs) Don't tempt me. I just might. (laughs) Thank you so much. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in just a few moments to wrap things up. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. As we're approaching the weekend, I want to remind you that there's a great opportunity this weekend to see No Safe Spaces, one of 2019's top-earning political documentaries and the number one political documentary in 2019 as well. Well, now it's available to watch at home. Um, Critics called No Safe Spaces smart. They called it vital and urgent and one of the most important documentaries that you need to see today. Well, it tells a pretty disturbing story, in fact, a series of them on how America is becoming a dangerous place to speak your mind and share ideas, but does it in an entertaining and powerful way. Now, it's difficult to imagine how that's possible, but I've seen it, and they do it. The film stars Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla, but also features Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, Tim Allen, and personalities on the left like Van Jones, Cornel West, and Alan Dershowitz. If you wonder about the depth of political correctness on college campuses and beyond, 
that eschews free speech, you're going to find no safe spaces, eye-opening and, well, pretty disturbing at times as well. It'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry, but more importantly, it's going to make you think. And right now, Salem is uh, providing this opportunity to see it at nosafespaces.com for $19.95. But for KPDQ listeners, of which you are among them, uh, you can use the discount code SAVE25 for a 25% discount. Again, nosafespaces.com. Save 25 for the 25% off. Really encourage you to take a look. You will find it um, absolutely fascinating. The headline read, Pandemic Threatens to Permanently Shutter Churches as Donations Dry Up. Now, churches being permanently shuttered, that's a bit of an overstatement of what's likely to happen. But it does raise the issue of um, churches who aren't receiving the tithes and offerings that they're used to at a time when serving the community is at its height. Well, the uh, Washington Times article by Christopher Bondrack says that churches across the country are seeing larger declines in donations amid coronavirus stay-at-home orders than they did during the Great Recession more than a decade ago, according to a lead church finance pollster. Nearly two-thirds, or 65% of the 1,000-plus U.S. churches surveyed uh, for the State of the Plate project reported that giving has decreased since mid-March. The outset of the widespread social distancing measures intended to stop the spread of COVID-19. The combination of closed houses of worship, rising unemployment and shaky financial situations among congregants has taken a bigger toll on donations than at the start of the previous decade, uh, when roughly a third of churches rather reported year over year losses. Well, this is much worse than the Great Recession was. Mr. Kluth, the Washington Times Uh, is told. This is more across the board and deeper. The State of the Plate survey was produced in collaboration with the National Association of Evangelicals and Christianity Today's Church Law and Tax Service for Clergy and Churches. It gathered responses mostly from mainline Protestant and evangelical churches. But the decline in church donations isn't limited to any particular denomination or faith. The Archdiocese of New York has reported a 50% decrease in cash donations, while the Jewish Federations of North America reported last month its groups uh, will require at least $650 million in donations to continue. Another leading church uh, finance uh, financial advisor, and of course a Jewish synagogue is not a church, but they're lumping religious organizations together. Uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, told the dialogue that churches that rely on monetary donations are likely seeing weekly declines of up to 80 percent. The executive director of the Diocesan Fiscal Management Conference in Phoenix, an association of the Catholic employees working on financial matters across North America, said at least one church financial director has told him that giving has slowed by 84, rather 85 percent in poorer parishes, where again services and outreach are at their height. 50%, you can make it, Mr. Markey said on Thursday, but once you drop into 15%, they'll have to lay people off. Well, unlike Protestant churches they have uh, uh, that have turned to online donations, many Catholic churches have relied on cash and checks, leaving them particularly vulnerable to the economic headwinds. Well, I mention all of this as a reminder as we approach the weekends, and many of us will be worshiping online with others from around the, our respective communities. You might be visiting churches you otherwise would not have the opportunity to physically visit, but we're going to be worshiping, and very likely there will be um, musicians who are providing worship. They're going to be teaching and preaching from uh, the ministerial staff, and we're going to enjoy being together as a congregation in a slightly different way keeping in mind that the facility, most likely the sanctuary or maybe some other part of the church, 
uh, has to be maintained, the salaries of those who serve in the body of Christ and who are perhaps being called upon by the broader community in ways that uh, is uh, unusual in greater um, numbers. Uh, and all of that has to be supported. So if it's possible, and it's not always possible, I recognize that, if it's possible to continue to give to your church tithes and offerings, let me remind you that the need is great and to continue to do just that, uh, especially your home church. It's tempting to you know, look at other, uh, other organizations and other places that also need funding, but begin at, at your home church so that the body of Christ can continue to function through this season and as we work our way out of it. So wanted to mention that. Again, the headline, uh, I think it, it, overstating the case, certainly for Protestant churches, maybe not so much for Catholic churches who approach this differently, but the pandemic threatens to permanently shutter churches as donations dry up. It's just a helpful reminder that we as the body of Christ can step up and support the work of Christ in his, uh, his church. I also want to remind you that there are some options available if you don't know where to worship this uh, this weekend. Uh, the church service live streams that are available uh, at kpdq.com on our community events calendar. In response to the cancellation of churches and, uh, and this uh, virus and so on, we've created at KPDQ a new church service live streaming page at kpdq.com with broadcasts of local church services. You'll be able to dive into God's word and worship from home with local live streams. Again, just go to kpdq.com and go to community events. You'll find a list of local churches with links to their broadcast, kpdq.com. Also, you'll find Southwest Bible Live. In response to the current health restrictions, Pastor Scott Gilchrist of Downtown Bible Class is inviting you to attend Southwest Bible Live, that's the church he pastors, Sunday mornings at 10 on True Talk 800. So if you don't have access to the internet, you can join Southwest Bible Live at 10 a.m. at our sister station, our AM station, True Talk 800. Now, even if you can't um, meet at church in person, we can still worship and study God's word together. I enjoy just singing out loud in front of my television screen where I've broadcast these services. And you can listen on your radio at 10 a.m. Sunday morning at True Talk 800. Our apps are online at truetalk800.com. Or watch the live stream video at southwestbible.org or Southwest Bible Live. So some great opportunities to worship together at some distance from one another. Also wanted to remind you there's another resource available, 10 Ways to Overcome Your Fears and Anxiety if you're struggling during this season and are looking for practical ways to guard your feelings and actions during this unsettled time. Um, We have this uh, resource, 10 Ways to Overcome Your Fears and Anxiety. It's free from Steve Arterburn at New Life Live. Just go to kpdq.com or our mobile app and enter the keyword overcome. That's kpdq.com. It's there uh, anyway, um, uh, anytime you need it, a resource to help us to navigate this difficult season. Well, you've been listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I want to thank James Blend for producing, Clark Hilton for engineering, Dan Rice for making his uh, office space available, and thank you for making The Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great weekend. Good night. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.